Chapter 13 Cassie Faster! Okay? More grass? Okay? I blew lightly on the dry grass. Jake moved the tendon bow back and forth as fast as he could. Marco held the top of the stick. It had taken a while for us to piece together old bits of forgotten Boy Scout lore and scenes we'd seen on TV or in movies, or read about in books. But eventually, we'd figured it out, starting with a flat piece of wood as a base. Axe cut a small notch in it. Then, we took a straight stick about a foot long. That, we held upright, using pieces of bark to protect the holder's hands from the friction. We fashioned a bow by stringing a length of Tyrannosaurus tendon cut from the animal's foot. We put half a loop of the bowstring around the upright stick. Then, all we had to do was move the bow quickly back and forth. The vertical stick spun in the groove of the flat base piece. And slowly, but surely, the heat of friction began to grow. I grabbed a tiny handful of dry grass. I bent over, my face just inches from the base. I added a bit more grass and blew again, gently, gently. A piece of grass crisped and twisted. More air. I blew harder. More browning, twisting grass. I began to despair. Flame! Marco cried. It was true! A tiny flame. Very tiny. I fed more grass into it. More grass. Now the tiniest twigs. The twig caught fire! I looked up at Jake and Marco. Their faces were shining. Wow! I whispered. This is the first deliberately made fire. Ever. We just invented fire. Axe leaned down low to help pile larger sticks on the flame. It was mesmerizing. The flame grew and grew. It ate up the grass and moved onto the sticks. I just sat there, feeling weird and significant and yet silly. It was like a holy religious ritual. Man creating fire. Or, in this case, woman, I thought with a grin. Rachel will appreciate... But no, Rachel wasn't around anymore. Marco stepped away and came back with a long stick. He'd impaled a half dozen shreds of Tyrannosaurus meat on the stick. He held them over the fire. They crackled and sizzled and smelled wonderful. I folded my legs and my awkward Tyrannosaurus sandals under me. It was starting to get dark under the trees. But we had fire. We, alone, on all of planet Earth, had fire. We had moved away from the dead dinosaur just as a bunch of very tiny, swift, two-legged dinosaurs showed up looking for a late lunch. We were now camped at the edge of the plain, with the woods 50 yards away at our backs. We'd chosen the spot because there was a stream running by. And because we just didn't know which was safer, open country or woods. Okay, who's going to be first? Marco asked, holding out a strip of hot meat. We have medium rare and well done. Jake reached for the slice. He took a cautious bite. Just don't say it tastes like chicken, Marco said. Jake considered. It tastes like fish, actually. Like a mild fish. Maybe like swordfish. It could use some salt. Marco cocked an eyebrow at me. Now he's a food expert? I laughed softly. I took a piece. It was delicious. But then again, 
I was starving. The first cooked food in all of history, Marco observed. Plus, the first complaint about food in all of history. Axeman, you want to grind a hoof into a piece of this? Or maybe you could morph into a human and eat it. Andalites eat by absorbing grass through their hooves as they run or walk. No, thanks. I've grazed very well. Axe was watching the grassy plain. He was using his stalk eyes to swivel carefully in all directions. The sky was shading from blue to brilliant red and orange, with sunset coming on quickly. A massive, distorted-looking red sun slipped below a layer of high clouds and dropped behind the volcano. Beautiful, I said, mostly to myself. The first person in history to appreciate a sunset, Marco said. How much longer do you figure you'll be doing that, Marco? Jake asked tolerantly. Marco grinned. His face was red from the glow of the sunset. The first person to ever complain about someone talking too much. What are we going to do about it getting dark? I asked. Jake looked surprised. I don't know. You've been so cool about all this back-to-nature stuff. I guess I was waiting for you to tell us. Was he resentful that I had been taking a more active role? No, surely not. I don't have any brilliant ideas. Doesn't fire keep animals away? Marco asked. Not always, I said. Not predators. In Africa, man-eating lions and leopards go right to villages, into huts, and drag people away. In grasslands like this, you get lightning fires all the time. Some of the predators may have learned to let fire drive smaller prey toward them. The first really, really depressing example of way too much information in all of history, Marco said. We have our weapons, I said. Jake said, Yeah, three sharp sticks, plus Axe's tail. Throw in some burning torches, and we can probably handle some of the smaller predators. I felt a chill and scooted closer to the fire, which now blazed up fairly well. The image of a huge T-Rex looming up suddenly, golden and red from the firelight, its vast mouth open, eyes greedy. I took a couple of deep breaths. I'm not Rachel. I can't just turn off the fear. If Rachel were here, she'd say something cocky about kicking Tyrannosaurus' butt. We'd all know it was just bold talk, but we'd feel better anyway. Okay, Jake said. We sleep in shifts. X's time-tracking sense is messed up, but he can approximate two hours and wake us up. Two of us awake at all times. The people who are awake will sit facing out, away from the fire. That way, their eyes will be adjusted to seeing in the dark. Good plan, Marco said. That way, there'll be two of us to scream, Oh no, we're toast! When the next big Rex shows up. If a predator shows up, what do we do? I asked. Jake considered for a moment. I think the most dangerous morph any of us has is my tiger morph. If we're attacked, I'll morph. Axe will use his tail. Cassie and Marco, you grab your weapons. The three of you try and hold off the... The whatever shows up. Till I've morphed. An Andalite and a tiger together should be enough. Then, Marco and Cassie, you two will morph. But morph something to escape, not fight. Cassie and I, we wave sharp sticks at Big Rex? Marco asked skeptically. Meanwhile, you're helpless in mid-morph. You have a better plan? Jake asked testily. Sure. 
if Big Mr. T shows up, we scream and cry and blubber like babies till he eats us. Jake grinned. Then he laughed. So did I. It wasn't even slightly funny, of course. But sometimes fear and exhaustion can combine to make you giddy. Okay, Cassie and Axe take the first watch. Marco, you and I have to try and sleep. At least I won't have any bad dreams, Marco said. I'm already in one. Jake and Marco fell silent. I don't know if they slept at all. I turned away from the fire and looked out into darkness that was deepening with shocking speed. Already the night was rushing toward us, out of the east, pushing away the last tendrils of red sunlight. Then, I saw it. Like someone had painted a brushstroke of fairy dust across the sky. Axe! I whispered. Is that a comet? Yes, it is very beautiful. Even to you? You must have seen comets up in space. They are most beautiful when they come closest to a star. The star, the sun, is what causes the tail to extend. Oh, looks close. It may be, Axe said. It is either very close or very large. My people, a long time ago, of course, used to believe that comets were omens of bad things that would happen. I was surprised. Really? Humans thought the same thing. Darkness fell. There was no moon in the sky. The starlight never touched the grass sea around us. The firelight was punny. Are you scared, Axe? Yes. Me too. I felt the stick in my hand. I felt the fire at my back. Little, weak, defenseless homo sapiens. I faced a night full of terrors. Chapter 14 Tobias Deinonychus. That's what they were, I was pretty sure. At least, I thought so. I couldn't remember. But learning about dinosaurs in books isn't like seeing them face to face. They were hunting us. Like a wolf pack. They were taking their time because we were unfamiliar prey. A strange creature that ran on two legs while carrying a big bird. Yes, we were something new. New meat. Rachel ran toward the spot where the campfire had been before the failing light had rendered the smoke invisible. It had seemed to be coming from the edge of the plain that opened before us. As she ran, I watched the Deinonychus pack. I watched them as a professional predator myself. Was there communication between them? It sure seemed like the two bands of Deinonychus were moving in concert. It was a triangle, basically. One group behind and to the west. The second group level with us, but to the east. We were running north. If we veered slightly left, we'd hit the edge of the forest. Was that the right move? Rachel! Head for the woods. Why? She managed to gasp. Rachel's in shape, but running barefoot while carrying a hawk is not easy. They're pack hunters. I think the two groups can see each other and adjust to each other, even in this light. In the trees, they'll lose their line of sight. Rachel didn't say anything, but she did veer left a little, toward the trees. I focused my hawk eyes on the westerly group. They were speeding up. A quick glance to the east. They were speeding up too, but only after the first group did. I thought so. 
I said. The leader of the pack is with that western bunch. I think I know which one it is. He's got about a foot of his tail missing. The Deinonychus were running now. They were quite fast. And so close, I could see details of the leader. The pebbly lizard skin. The way the tail stuck out stiff as a board for balance. The placid expression on that intelligent face. His weapons were formidable. He stood no taller than a short man or a tall boy. But his jaw could close over a human head. His hands were relatively larger and stronger than a Tyrannosaurus's, with wicked, down-curved claws. But it was the feet that were the main weapon. They were talons, not so very different from my own. But on each foot, there was an upraised claw, seven, eight inches long. It reminded me of Axe's tail blade. That claw, kicked by that coiled steel leg, would slice through a car door. We'll reach the woods before them, I said. But then we have to act quickly. We have to separate. No way. She assumed I was being self-sacrificing. Rachel, look. They're after you, not me. I have a plan. She said nothing. Just gasped and panted. I could hear her heart pounding madly. Trees! We hit the tree line, and suddenly it occurred to me just how late in the day it was. The sun was setting in a blaze of glory out on the plain, but under the trees, it was already night. Stop right here. Rachel stopped. She dropped me in the dead leaves. She bent over double, hands on her knees, throwing up from exhaustion. The predator in me was glad. Perfect. The powerful, unfamiliar scent would draw the Deinonychus right to this point. Okay, I can't fly, but I can grip. I want you to throw me, straight up, up into this tree, up into that branch. What? What? Rachel, don't argue. Throw me. Then run and do your bear morph. It may buy you time. Besides, I added silently, you don't want to die as a helpless prey. As a human, you'll simply be ripped apart. You'll be eaten alive. As a bear, they'll at least have to fight you first. Rachel stood up. Then she bent over, cramped in her right side. She winced in pain. I could see her feet were torn. She was exhausted, but not beaten yet. When she met my gaze, I still saw fierce Rachel in her blue eyes. We have to do this now, I said. They'll be here in less than a minute. Okay. She reached down and lifted me up, like someone heaving a basketball from her chest. She threw me upward. Too low! I missed the branch. I flopped my wings. An instinct. A painful, searingly painful instinct. I hit the ground. I can't do it. Do it! She grabbed me again. This time, she put her whole body into it. Up! The branch. I flopped my good wing. Spun in the air. Grabbed. Yes! I grabbed with my second talon and held firm. Now run! Run! She ran. At least, she hobbled and staggered away through the trees. And I waited. I waited and tried not to think of what would happen to Rachel if I messed up. My branch was just six feet above the ground. I felt totally helpless. I was a bird who could not fly. And there is nothing weaker than a bird who can't fly. I gripped my branch. 
Noises. Many clawed feet running. A Deinonychus appeared. Its tail was minus about a foot of length. The leader of the pack. He froze. He looked at the mess Rachel had left. But he did not walk under my branch. Then, another Deinonychus. This one ran right over and sniffed curiously. He had a jagged scar two feet long down his back. I could see it clearly. Shorttail turned away. Scar walked beneath me. His head was just a foot below me. Now! I dropped. I opened my talons. I sank them into reptilian skin, right along the old scar. The Deinonychus turned his head to glare at me with one eye. He opened his mouth lined with ridiculously large teeth. I almost lost it. I had to fight the urge to flap away, broken wing and all. Focus, Tobias, I told myself. I locked the fear out of my mind. I held tight with my talons, and I focused on the dinosaur. It may have been 65 or 70 or 80 million years BC, but DNA was still DNA. Chapter 15 Tobias I acquired the Deinonychus. I absorbed his DNA into me. And he grew passive and calm, like most animals do when being acquired. When I was done, he wandered away, as if he'd forgotten what he had been doing. I stood there, utterly vulnerable on the forest floor. And then I heard a roar. Not a saurian roar, but the full-throated roar of a very large mammal. Rachel! I focused my mind again. I pictured the Deinonychus in my mind. And slowly, at first, then faster, the changes began. All right, Tobias, keep your mind strong. I warned myself. It was a new morph. I'd have to deal with the Deinonychus's instincts. My feathers began to stiffen and harden. It was as if someone were coating them with rubber cement or something. The feather pattern remained at first but they were glued down, and then they began to melt together. My beak began to extend, out and out, and at the same time, the edges became serrated, almost like a saw. And each saw tooth grew and extended, longer and longer, to begin to form the teeth of the Deinonychus. All the while I grew, up and up, from standing a foot tall to five times that height. My tail feathers twined and twisted together, and then my tail hardened and grew. Out and out, impossibly long. Everywhere, I could feel the muscles bulging and growing. Layers of muscle over thickening bones. I rose high on legs like steel springs. My talons became less graceful and more deadly. I found I could raise the huge, killing claw. Yes, that's how I would run, with the claw raised so that nothing would dull its razor sharpness. I loved that claw. I pictured it ripping open... No! Already the dinosaur's instincts were struggling to rise up in my own mind. But that wasn't going to happen. It couldn't happen. Rachel needed me. But the power! The vivid electric energy in every cell of my body! My eyesight grew dim, but not much worse than human eyes, and better in that they could see fairly well in the dark. My hearing diminished, but again, not by much. And to compensate for those losses, the sense of smell flooded my consciousness. What? What smell was that? I stood up and sniffed the wind, 
A deep, hoarse voice bellowed. A more familiar cry. The hunt was on! The pack had cornered its prey. I had to hurry. Hurry, or all the best meat would be taken. I'd have nothing but cold carrion. With my mouth watering, I bounded away, tearing through the underbrush to join the pack. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, I am your host, Daniel, and I did almost forget how the intro went. Uh, hi. Don't really have a lot going on this week, so let's just get through it. You know, you know what it is at this point. You've heard this. 190 sometimes, I think, now. When we're in the 190s, I think, an episode count, which is crazy, but, uh, you know what it is. Uh, if you like it and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, or I guess use Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a rating and review if you'd like. Tell a friend if you'd like. I don't know. I'm not your boss. Uh, if you'd like to write in, say hello, ask a question, talk, talk about your life, talk about my life, uh, talk about anything, really, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can also do that through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, and that's where you'll also find all my uh, creative projects that, you know, some have been abandoned. Uh, most of them have been abandoned. Some have been completed. Um, but you can see all the stuff I do in my free time up there uh, when I'm not, you know, wasting my life watching Netflix or playing video games. Uh, the active one is... Uh, Into the Rewatch podcast. It's a rewatch podcast I do with my friend Jesse. And we are wrapping up season two of Riverdale real soon, which is good stuff. Love Riverdale. It's a very bad show. Other than that, I do not have anything else for you this week. So stay safe. Wow. Stay safe out there. And I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel. And I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.